The hymn is number 382. Number 382. Let's stand together as we sing, please.
We'll look on number 377. Hymn number 377 says, I will serve thee because I love thee. Let's sing that hymn. to hear a trio of men representing three generations. We're going to have uh, grandpa, dad, and son. <laughs> Jordan is uh, the one being ordained tonight. His dad's going to sing with him, and so is his grandpa. Consider all the world's 
was fantastic to have have all of that there. <clears throat> While uh, share, you know, Sunday nights we do not have um, the words up on the screen, so you actually have to use your hymnal. And Sherry and I, our hymnals, little hymnals are under the front pew there. So Sherry, there's one right, there was one right there, and she pulled it out, and I was looking over to her. And then she put it down during our offering time. And what happened was she leaned forward and says, when we sat back down, said, give me the hymnal. I said, I don't have a hymnal. I said, yeah, it's over there. Well, he looked around. It's not there. And then I said, sure, I promise I don't have it. There's no, there's no hymnal here. And, and then she, I said, it's on your side. And then she leaned forward and said, Jordan has it. <laughs> I said, I knew he was a thief. There he is, getting ordained. He stole my hymnal. So we didn't know that last song there, said Jordan. Tonight is an ordination service. And I'm going to walk you through what we're going to do. It's a very special night where you have this uh, one, a man has this one time in his life. In the Bible, there's two offices in Scripture. There's the office of pastor, which I was ordained at in 2005 at First Baptist Church of New Orleans, Louisiana. That's where I was ordained as a minister. And then there's also the office of deacon. And that's what we are ordaining Jordan to. Only men are allowed to be ordained in a church. And there's also roles for, for wives, for pastors, as well as a deacon's wife. So we are excited as well as honored for this young couple. It's very important in the life of a church that you have what we call a pipeline, a leadership pipeline of young men coming up the pipeline every time, every February, March, April, every springtime, I guess it's spring already, it, that we're ordaining new young men who have been called to be ministers, called to be deacons, that are stepping up into these such a vitally important position. And we're excited for Jordan Chelsea being able to participate in this ordination. So I want to walk, I'm going to share what we're going to do tonight, and then I'm going to read a charge, and we're going to read here. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bible there, it's in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read the qualifications of a deacon. It's actually almost identical to the qualifications of a minister. We're, I'm going to share a few words, give a charge to Jordan here. Sherry's up there making sure Jordan doesn't steal her Bible now. So we said turn to the, turn, turn the Bible. So, uh, But then after I share a few minutes, we have two special guest ministers with us here. Uh, they are coming from Jordan's home church. It's called Mouth of Richmond, Richland Baptist Church in Blaine, Tennessee. Who knows where Blaine, Tennessee is? All right, the folks there. It's in Granger County, which is next to Knox County, which is 15 minutes from Knoxville. They're all Tennessee fans. We've got a lot of orange here tonight. With that, so uh, they've all come up here, up 75. But um, uh, Brad Bells, he is the executive. Brad, raise your hand there. Brad Bells, he is the executive pastor there at Mouth of Richmond Baptist Church. And also sitting next to him is their college minister, Mason Bats. Mason, raise your hands there. So Mason, so we're very fortunate for these two young men. And uh, Brad is going to be sharing after me. He's known Jordan many years, so he's going to be sharing some words as well with that. And then after, after Brad shares, then Jordan's going to come up here and preach a one-hour sermon. And he'll be able to field questions from you all and, and be able to do that. Then we're going to have a time of the laying on of hands. In the Bible, what happened is when Paul, as well as Barnabas, were commissioned as missionaries to be spent on their special assignment 
to go and to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles, the Bible says the believers came and laid their hands over them and prayed for them. So if you are here tonight and you're either been ordained as a minister or is ordained as a deacon, we'll create a line right here and we'll put Jordan in this chair. We're going to pray over Jordan. When you're done, right here is his ordination certificate. After you pray over him then, you'll go right there and sign your name. That way he'll always be able to know the men who prayed and commissioned over him at his special ordination, uh, ordination time. Well, then Gene Keene will come forward and give a nice presentation to Jordan. And then uh, everybody, Chelsea, come forward, everybody shake their hand. After this service is over, you don't want to go home. You want to go downstairs. We have punch and cake for everyone from treats and sweets from Jamie, for his uh, mother-in-law. So that'll be a very special reception directly below us. So that's our order of service tonight, what we're going through. First Timothy chapter 3. Here are the requirements for being a deacon. And it's important that this is a public service because when you're ordained, what's happened is you're, you're putting yourself to a standard of holiness and expectation that other folks can say, hey, young man, hey, older man, you know, you're an ordained deacon. And the Bible has a requirement, has an expectation for a standard of living. So let's read the scripture here. Deacons likewise. The first seven verses address the role of a pastor. Remember in the Bible, there's four words that are used for the word pastor. Overseer, bishop, elder, and pastor. All four of those words are interchangeable words talking about the office that I hold here. But deacon here, the word deacon is dikados, which is, means to serve. So a deacon is someone who serves in a church. Remember where deacons first showed up. There was a dispute that happened in Acts chapter 6. The dispute was over. What happened was um, the apostles could not do food ministry fast enough. And the Greek-speaking widows felt they were being neglected to the Hebrew or the Hebraic-speaking widows. So they appointed seven deacons the apostles did, who were able to serve the food because they did not, the apostles and disciples, did not want to give up the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. Every time you come to this church, you should be greeted. And when you walk in entrance A or entrance B, every month, Ray and I talk about in our deacons meetings, you should be greeted by a deacon. If, you are not, if your door is not open by a deacon, you need to complain to Ray. But now we have a new chairman of deacons. You need to complain to David. Where is David at? David, so you just go to him and say, no, but the deacon did not open my door. I'm unhappy. And then we'll address that next Sunday. You will have a deacon. They're here to serve. When someone walks into a church, they should feel a warmth and a welcome that they are accepted and they are, there is a desire that they sh they, they're excited about folks being here. We're a welcoming church. Your deacons greet you when you sit in a pew you should be extended a warm handshake of welcome. That's what it means to serve. Everyone should be doing this. Deacons likewise should be worthy of respect. Not hypocritical. Not drinking a lot of wine. Not greedy for money. Verse 9. Holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. What that means, holding the mystery of faith with a clear conscience, is they shouldn't be wondering, am I saved? 
Do I know what the Bible teaches about the doctrine of salvation? What does it mean to be baptized? A deacon should be able to lead someone to faith in Christ. A deacon should someone be able to stand up and, and, and teach the Bible. If Sunday school teachers gone, your deacon should be able to say, hey, I can fill in this Sunday at least. I can step up and do this. There's, there's servant. Any, when there's a need, they're constantly there. Verse, verse 10. The Bible goes on to say, they must also be tested first. Here at our church, at Broadway Baptist Church, you have to be a member of this church for two years in order, if you haven't been ordained, in order to be ordained as a deacon. And the reason why is because someone doesn't walk the aisle last Sunday, and now we're ordaining them the next Sunday. There should be a period of say, hey, we kind of know this guy. Uh, we've seen him. He actually comes to church. He doesn't cause problems. You know, the Bells family, they're, they're a good family. Now, if you joined our church and you were ordained at another church, you only have to be a member here for one year with that. So this ordination, Jordan, if you ever move back to Blaine, Tennessee, Chelsea, you want to live in Blaine, Tennessee? <laughs> if you ever move back and go to Mouth of Richland Baptist Church, you will, Brad wouldn't have to ordain you there. Your ordination carries over because they were recognized here at Broadway Baptist. So that's what you would maybe only, might only have to be a member there for a shorter amount of time before you become a deacon. So it, it's interchangeable to other churches. So if they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Look here at verse 11. goes on to say, wives too, so chosen this is your role, must be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful in everything. There is a role as a deacon's wife. You should know your deacon's wife. They should be active in church. They should be, pe be women of great respect. Verse 12 goes on to say here, Deacons are to be the husbands of one wife, managing their children and their households competently. What that means is the family should come to church here. Have you ever known of someone, known, known of someone who one, one, one spouse goes to one church, the kids and the other spouse go to the other church down the road? That's not, a, that's not the type of goal that the Lord wants for a family. The family comes to church together. They, they sit under the pastor's preaching. They sit under the, the vision and direction of Sunday school and the direction of where that church is going. You get in the car with your family and you talk about what they learned in Sunday school and children's church and activities of how they're growing in the Lord. And then last, um, last verse. For those who have served well as deacons, they acquire a good standing for themselves. And look at this. And great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Jordan will grow and already is a bold soul winner for the Lord. He should be able to look back on his life 30, 40, 50 years from now and see decades and decades of serving him and Chelsea serving the Lord. This young family, God will bless Chelsea, and I talk about, I was actually talking about, I think this was either last night, we were talking about y'all either or this morning, and Sherry have a lot in common. Sherry loves missions. Chelsea loves international missions. I say, Sherry, you and Chelsea have a lot in common. You, uh, you love foreign missions. 
you, you have a passion for that. You are both nurses. So, and then she's like, damn, but they don't have four children. So, like, you know, it just changes everything. You know, it's, it's, it's different when you have children. You just can't pack up and go <laughs> like that. But what that is, is when you have a husband and wife, they both have a desire to serve the Lord, to go, and to just be incredibly active. God will honor and bless their marriage. That is what we call a Christian marriage. That's the type of family that you want raising children, that you want serving as leaders in a church. And we're blessed to have Chelsea, who sings in the choir as well as serves as our chairperson of our missions committee here at Broadway Baptist. Very active young family. And Jordan became a singer this morning. He grabbed a microphone, David, and started singing. So that's right, so it is. He's, singing, he's already singing two times now, so it is. So with that, Jordan, I give you a charge to take these words here. We see in 1 Timothy and hold fast to them. The qualifications for being a deacon as well as the qualifications for being a pastor, it's not about what you do. Whether or not you're opening a door out there or you're picking up garbage, or you're just walking around greeting someone, or you're proclaiming God's word. What trips people up is not the service, it's your character. That's where people fail. And that's why the Bible addressed the character issue. The character is what carries you as far. That's what disqualifies you as a minister or as a deacon. It's not your service. It's going to be what well, you have the character to be able to keep going. And that's why we as a church family, we pray for families, young families, ministers and deacons in our church fellowship. We lift them up to the Lord. So your commitment as church member tonight is to pray and encourage this family. You add them to your prayer list. You think about them. You pray for the Osmonds, you pray for the Bells. It goes A, B. And you just, our last names, literally. You just lift them up to the Father, saying, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that they are just, they are growing in their faith, in their marriage, in their service of you. And that's what it means to be a church member that's praying for your church's leadership. This is a charge that we take seriously. Now, every single ordination service we have, this is what happens. I'm going to conclude it on this. I think if you've been here in the last ordination service, you remember this example. When you're a deacon, you're handed two buckets. And it's a bucket of gas or a bucket of water. Because one day this will happen. It might not happen this month, but one day it will happen. A fire will erupt somewhere in this church. And the fire alarm won't go off. There'll be some problem over there in the gym. Somebody's over in the corner complaining. They're griping about the pastor. They're unhappy with the music. They're not happy with the carpet. I mean, there's going to be some issue. Some problem will come up in the church. And Mr. Deacon's going to walk up, and he's got these two buckets. He's just carrying these buckets everywhere he goes. And he could take that bucket of gas, and he could just dump it on that problem. And then the problem, that fire, becomes a super hot fire. And it catches other people on fire. And then they get upset about it. And then it starts to spread. Now the whole building's on fire. People are mad and they're upset and they're griping. And then 
your spire is starting to spread in the church. Something that could have been put out right away is just this is burning everything down. The what on earth is going on over there in the gym? Or a godly deacon takes that bucket of water and can stop it right there and pour it out. How you respond to that fire will be determined by these verses here we just read, your character. That is why the Bible talks about your character so much. A godly pastor, Brother Hurt, a godly deacon, David Hummel, they know to use that bucket of water. You should never use your bucket of, bu of gas. You only put gas in a car or in the church bus out there. You don't pour it on problems. But there will be that time where you will be tempted maybe to pour that gas on. You can pour the gas on there, and then you've got a massive problem. Then in the deacon's meetings, we're not talking about why we didn't open the door at entrance A or B. We're talking about the fire over there and dealing with that. Our biggest problem at this church should be, did Ray show up at station A for opening that door on February 23rd? He was five minutes late. We've got to have a talk. If that's our biggest problem, that Ray was late opening the door, David, we're in good shape. That needs to be the problems here. Jordan, we're, I'm handing you two buckets, the bucket of gas and a bucket of water. Chelsea, you get them as well, how you respond. And when the fires come, our character determines what we pour on them. <clears throat> I want to invite Brad to come forward. Brad, you come on up here. I'm going to grab you a microphone. This is microphone number four. Share with us, brother. Thank you. Hello, folks. Glad to be here with you guys tonight. As Pastor said, my name is Brad. Don't hold that against me. <clears throat> Jordan is my cousin, and uh, we grew up together, and so I'm honored to be able to share tonight. Thankful for the opportunity to uh, say a few words and encourage him in the uh, truth of the word. I've been a part of a few ordinations, uh, but to be able to be a part of a family ordination, I believe is pretty special, and uh, I'm excited for him and Chelsea and, and their new journey. Um, I go to church, I serve at the church that Jordan uh, grew up in, his parents go to, his, his granddad is a deacon at, and uh, so I called his granddad before I came and asked him if I, I could get some good stories to tell about Jordan, and he gave me a few, so I'm going to share a couple tonight if that's alright. He might get a little red face, but that's okay. Uh, one that I think is pretty funny, he, he told me was, um, Jordan some, some family and him and his uh, grandparents were going out to eat and they were going to a buffet and uh, he said that, uh, he told Jordan before he got there, he said that Jordan now you can get as much as you want here but whatever you get on your plate you need to eat and what you don't eat you're going to put in your pocket and you're going to take home <laughs> and so uh, he said he noticed Jordan getting all kinds of food and he said he got a lot of jello and for some reason he was eating all the jello and he had some chicken on his plate but he wasn't t touching the chicken and he said eventually the they got done eating, and they were standing there, and, and uh, his granddad said, Now, Jordan, why, why in the world have you eaten all this jello and you haven't touched your chicken? And he said, Well, granddad, it's a lot easier to stuff chicken in your pocket than jello. So, uh, you know, one takeaway from that, Pastor, is that he follows instructions, so that's good to know. 
He'll be faithful. Uh, on a more serious note, I'd like to say this, uh, another story that, that uh, his granddad told me. His granddad serves as a deacon at our church and has for a long time. I'm just recently uh, uh, been there just the last couple of years. Um, but earlier in his ministry, he said that they would visit the local nursing home and they would go there uh, several times throughout the month and uh, visit the elderly folks there and said he'd usually try to take Jordan with him. And at this point, Jordan's nine or ten years old. He said he would try to take him and, uh, you know, just spend time with him and do ministry together. It's a beautiful picture of a grandfather and a grandson um, loving on people in the Lord. And uh, he said that he noticed, you know, he would be sitting down to, to minister to folks and Jordan would wander off and he'd be over and he'd look over and Jordan was at another table with other folks just loving on him, talking to him, helping him. Uh, Jordan was uh, at, a, at a young age, nine, ten years old, acted, acted as if he was an older man that was just loving people in the Lord. And I think that's the kind of heart that it takes uh, to be a deacon and to serve the Lord and his church heart of service, uh, a heart that doesn't get a lot of recognition sometimes, and a, a humble heart. And so um, I know that he's going to do a great job here at this, at this church and uh, ministering to these folks in whatever role that the Lord would place him in. <clears throat> One thing I want to say, uh, a passage I want to read from 1 Peter chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Just briefly want to read this passage from 1 Peter 5. This is instruction from Peter speaking to the elders of the church, uh, much like the qualifications for deacons. I, I wanted to read this passage for uh, discussing the elders of the church. And uh, this, this two verses here that I refer to a lot in ministry is because I think it, it gets overlooked too much by church leaders. And uh, I want to point that out tonight. And this 1 Peter chapter 5. I want to begin reading in uh, verse 5, uh, the second part there. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on him, because he cares about you. you know, the Greek word there it says that uh, God resists the proud. The Greek word there for resist uh, it means to be in a battle against, uh, you know, and, and that verse would read that God would be in a battle against the proud. If there's anything or anyone that you want to be in a battle against, it's not the Lord, right? Pick anybody else besides him. And so it says that he's in a battle against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Um, it goes on to say that he gives us, he gives humble, uh, he, he gives us humility he will bestow that upon us. It's an unmerited favor, uh, a humility in heart that he asks us to have. And he says that at the proper time, he will exalt you if you will humble yourselves. You know, today in our world, uh, humility is so countercultural. Uh, if you go anywhere, the, the goal is, is to fight your way to the top, to have what you need, you know, uh, in corporate job and a job, your job is, or your goal is to make yourself look as good as you can so that you can reach the top to make the most of your life. And this picture that Peter gives us here, it's countercultural. He says, hey, the goal is not to climb your way to the top and make yourself look great, but the goal is to lower yourself as low as you can under the mighty hand of God 
so that in due time, He will exalt you at the proper time. And so um, that's hard to do in our world, but it's what we're called to do as Christians, as followers of Christ, and especially in this situation as an ordination of a deacon, a church leader. Uh, tonight, Jordan, my challenge to you, uh, much like your pastors, is that you would humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. There's a lot of leaders in our world today that don't look like servants. And sadly, there's a lot of leaders in churches all across the world that don't look like servants. But I believe if God was here, Christ was here, he would want us to look like servants as much as we could. Because it's not about how great we are, but it's about how great he is. So that we may humble ourselves. And so, um, just leave you with the word uh, uh, coming from the story earlier. Uh, to carry the same heart that you did as a nine-year-old boy in the nursing home. To uh, love people the, the way Christ loves them. Love them with all your heart. Love the Lord first. Love him with all your heart and then love people secondly. And lastly, carry that heart as a, of a nine-year-old, ten-year-old boy to be a servant leader. Um, because I believe that the Lord will use that uh, in due time. And uh, I'm excited for you. I'm proud of you. You and Chelsea. And I'm excited to see how the Lord uses you guys, you guys in this church and ministry. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Thank you so much for that wonderful Jordan, I want to invite you to come forward. You, Jordan, come on up. Jordan's going to share as well. I tried to get Chelsea to, but she wouldn't, uh, she wouldn't take me up on that. So, to harp on a few things, uh, Bradley, there was a lot of stories you could have told that have made me red-faced, but those, those meant quite a bit to me, actually. Um, some of you don't know, my grandmother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and she's in the later stages of it. Unfortunately, they couldn't be here this evening. Um, she's getting to the point where she doesn't want to travel a whole lot, so just keep that in your prayers. Um, one problem I've always had, and I sometimes think this is a blessing, uh, not, not necessarily a curse, is I don't know when to keep my mouth shut, and that I do talk too much. So, <laughs> so I will try to keep this as brief as possible. Um, growing up, mom and dad, you know, I was blessed with, with wonderful grandparents on both sides of my family. I was blessed with wonderful parents um, who kept me in church at a young age. Um, I grew up with a heart of gold. Not necessarily, just the heart to want to love on people. I'm a big hugger. Um, I love meeting, I never met a stranger. And what's funny is my lovely wife who's up front, when we were dating, I used to make that comment that I, you know, I've never met a stranger. And as we've grown closer and closer together and been married, she realized that I've never met a stranger. I'll talk to a brick wall if it'll talk back. And um, so growing up, you know, reaching out to people and talking to them and loving on was something easy for me, you know. and. And grabbing the gospel at a young age was, it, to an extent, came a little natural. It just, it just felt good. And so at a, at a young age, I think I was about fifth grade. Actually, I was fifth grade. Um, you know, I was going to church every morning, every Sunday, and going to Awana and music camp. You know, music camp up here with my grandfather up here, music camp in Tennessee. And um, you know, I started wanting more. I wanted, I wanted closer longing. And I, you know, I didn't really know exactly how to get that. And so I started talking to my parents and my grandparents, and I ended up at, in fifth grade accepting the cross in my heart. I ended up getting saved at a church called Beaverdam Baptist Church in Knoxville. 
And, you know, when, when you get baptized, you get on this big high, and, you know, you want to give everybody a Bible and give everybody a hug and, and go and love on them and stuff like that. And I carried that, you know, I carried that with me. You know, I didn't, I didn't let them, you know, trample that fire too much. And um, as, you know, as everybody, you know, it kind of mellowed out a little bit, you know, going into high school and college. But even, even then, I still was, had a big heart for God. I don't care to tell you that I'm a Christian. You know, I didn't care to tell you that I like serving the Lord. You know, what church I go to. And I invite people all the time. And um, seen some, some awesome, awesome things in my life. Um, had a friend of mine, um, his sister had a stroke at a young age, or brain aneurysm at a young age, and shouldn't have made it. And, you know, praying for her, praying for her, her father praying, my parents were there praying, you know, she, she came out of it. And so that was something that just really impacted me, you know, even in the darkest days, there's always light. And ended up going to the police academy at a young age, well, you know, at an older age. And um, I went to a bookstore and bought a book. It was, it was biblical, biblical, biblical sermons for hard times, basically. So it was scripture, scripture that was arranged in a way that you could you read it during hard times. And I know a lot of they make one for like the army and police and firefighters and stuff like that. And so I took that with me to the police academy. And every night I would read that and I'd read my Bible. And in the police academy, we, we bunked in. There was four of us to a room. And it was, started out with 72 of us. And I read that every night. And I read it and prayed and went to bed every night. And um, one night, a, a guy's name was, what was his name? Anyways, the, the gentleman that I, that I roomed with came up to me one night and asked me what I was reading. And I told him, I said, I said it's, a, it's a, a little walk with Jesus, a little bit for hard times. And I said, it co coincides with my Bible. And he said, you know, I've never read something like that. He said, can I, can I read it? I said, yeah. I said, anytime you want to read it, take it. And so several nights after that, I noticed it was disappearing. I'd go to sit down and put my head down on my bed, and I noticed it was gone. And I'd look over, and he'd be rolled over reading it. And as the academy went, you know, he read it more and more and more, and then started taking my Bible and everything like that. And um, he ended up accepting the Lord Jesus Christ into his heart. And when we, when we left the police academy, I gave him that book. I said, take that with you. I said, give it to somebody else. And so that was, that was just a real powerful moment, you know, even in something dark and gloomy as an academy where you're, you know, sun up, sun down, you're scrutinized, you're scrutinized and punished, uh, even a lot of the Lord was there. So, you know, I get out of the police academy and I'm praying for a biblical woman. And, I'm, you know, everybody, you know, everybody wants to get married, stuff like that. And so my relate, I kept, started getting upset because my relationships just wouldn't last. You know, my wife makes fun of me because I'd have a relationship that lasted a week, and that was it, you know. And um, it just, God didn't have a purpose for me. And this redhead over here that's sitting up front, my parents are from two different states. My dad's from Tennessee, my mom's from Kentucky. And, you know, they met in Florida and got married, and so I'd always come up here to visit my, my grandparents up here and spend time with family in Kentucky in the summertime. Well, for as long as I can remember, I always liked the this redhead and for some reason both churches where it was garden side of broadway she was always there and so we got each other's phone numbers and started texting and stuff like that and throughout middle school or throughout high school and college stuff like we stayed in touch i dated people she dated people well when i went to the police academy she had just broken up with somebody and i said I, you know, i've been praying i want to be with a woman so i told her i said when i get out of the police academy i'm gonna marry you 
And she said, oh, really? I said, yeah. I said, I'm going to. So when I got out, we started talking to each other, and she, she said, you still want to get married? I said, let's date first, and then we got married. So, so along those lines, I've been, I've been praying for, for God to use me more and more, whether it's church or whatever. And I've been, I've been praying just to be, be useful, be a tool for God. And then all these people at church started to ask me to do these different things, join Voice of Praise, or become a deacon, or do this and do that. And, you know, at first I was like, I don't want to do this. You know, I just, why are these people asking me these things? And then I'm praying more and more about wanting to be a service to, to the Lord. And then these guys were asking me more and more and more to be a deacon. So I finally, like, that's what it is. I said, God wants me to, you know, step into a deacon and be, a, be of service, just like Voice of Praise. And so... My family, I mentioned my family, they had mentioned it to me and stuff like that, and, you know, I hadn't really said anything about it. I've been keeping it kind of myself and praying to myself about it, talking to Chelsea, and then all within the same 24 hours, I accepted to be a part of Voice of Praise and accepted to be a deacon. So, <laughs> so there's that. So, um, the Lord is a wonderful, wonderful person. He is the, the, the Alpha and the Omega. No matter where, the, the, the lowliest place you can possibly be or the highest mountaintops, he's there. And no matter what, God is God. And he's a loving God. So, that's it. Jordan, I'm going to ask you to be seated right here. All right, if you are here, men, and you are either an ordained minister or an ordained deacon, we're going to make a line. So let's go ahead and we're going to start a line and we'll just wrap it around there. So we'll have a long line. All Even if you've been ordained in another church, and if you've come here from Tennessee from another church, if you've been ordained, you want to create a line right here. And what we'll do one by one, David's going to play the piano. We're going to go by and we're going to pray one by one over Jordan. This is scriptural. Paul had folks come and lay hands on him. And we're praying for him. We're giving him to the Lord. And then after you, pr after you pray over Jordan, remember... You're going to walk right over there to his certificate, and you're going to sign the back of that. And that way, Jordan will always know the different men who prayed over him. 